I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. What a crazy night for the Celtics as we're coming at you. We're recording late 1242 after the Celtics have a absolutely insane day because they eventually trade Marcus Smart to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Seas will get back two first round draft picks and Kristaps Porzingis. But this deal was never going to be the original deal. Remember what we had originally, what we thought we were going to get is Malcolm Brogdon going to the Clippers in that three-team trade. And then, of course, we're going to have a situation where it was Kristaps Porzingis coming to the Celtics. And that one, it felt like, all right, that's not a crazy trade in terms of completely shaking up this roster because, of course, we were looking at a situation where Malcolm Brogdon had only been here for one year. But now this is a massive moment for the Celtics organization, and in particular, for Brad Stevens as he sends away the guy that's been with him the whole time in Marcus Smart. This to me is a defining night, huge night for Brad Stevens because we can look through Brad and I've gone through his trades that he's made in the past and I've liked most of them. I liked the Malcolm Brogdon deal last year, even though Brogdon he struggled in terms of the impact metrics, and he's not a great defender, but he was the sixth man of the year. He had a really good year for the Celtics, and he was really impactful throughout the regular season in terms of the scoring coming off the bench. I really liked the Derek White trade a couple of years ago, and you know how I feel about Derek White, but Derek White, you sent out Romeo Lankford, and you sent out Josh Richardson, 
in the Brogdon deal, you sent out Aaron Neesmith, right? These aren't big players you were trading away. I guess Kemba was kind of a big player, but at that particular point in time, we all know Kemba was done because of the knee situation. That's why you had to attach a draft pick just to get rid of Kemba's contract to bring back Al Horford. But Marcus Smart, we've been talking about the possibility of trading him for a couple of years now, and it just never felt like it was going to happen. And when I look at this moment for Brad Stevens, I really feel like he's going to be judged by this trade in terms of his future with the Celtics organization. I'm not saying that his job security is in jeopardy or anything along those lines, but this is a career-defining moment for Brad, and he's going to be judged by how this trade Turns out all those other trades were sort of under the radar and we were just giving Brad praise. Like, how do you get Brogdon for nothing? How do you get Derek White for nothing? But now you traded away. And I get it. Marcus Smart has been sort of a polarizing figure within the organization, but he's been the mainstay. He is the former defensive player of the year. He has been the guy that has been here since 2014. And this is a ballsy, ballsy move by Brad Stevens. It also tells me that they really wanted Kristaps Porzingis, right? And I'll get into Kristaps Porzingis and I believe the impact that he's going to have on this team. But clearly they wanted him because that original deal with Malcolm Brogdon, that to me didn't feel like a risk either, right? Because you think about it from the Celtics perspective, all they were giving up in that first deal, and of course that fell apart, if you weren't aware, because essentially the Clippers were worried about the injury situation with Malcolm Brogdon. Of course, we all know that he was injured during the postseason. So that's why that one got shut down. But that was not much of a risk to move Malcolm Brogdon out, right? Because when you look at Malcolm Brogdon, guy that was only here for a year, right? Nobody would have been totally upset if Brogdon was gone. Even if you were the biggest Malcolm Brogdon fan, it's not like you could have been super attached to the player. So there wasn't much risk there. But with Marcus Smart, you trade him to a team that will be contending again in the near term. Now, we'll see what the John Morant situation does because, of course, John Morant is suspended for the first 25 games of next season. So the Grizzlies probably, in all likelihood, not going to be big-time contenders next season. And from a Grizzlies point of view, not that that's the most important part here, but Tyus Jones should have been their starting point guard. We'll see what they do with the point guard position. But now he's going to the Washington Wizards. I get it, final year of his contract. But that Wizards team or excuse me, that Grizzlies team is not going to be nearly as good as it was this past season with the situation with John Morant. When that guy's missing 25 games, you're in real trouble. But remember, Marcus Smart is under contract, so Smart's going to be there when they get that whole crew together. We would expect that Desmond Bain is going to get extended there. So Brad Stevens is going to be measured by this. What does Kristaps Porzingis do for the Celtics? And what does Marcus Smart do for the Memphis Grizzlies? And it's just, to me, this is... Obviously, Brad really wanted Kristaps Porzingis, but it also shows what they believe in Derek White, that Derek White can just completely take this thing over and be the guy that runs the show for the Celtics. But it felt like what Brad Stevens was acknowledging is something that we were acknowledging for a while here, where it felt like they had a log jam at the guard position and they needed to get one of these guys out whether it be Malcolm Brogdon or Marcus Smart. And in this particular case, of course, it becomes Marcus Smart. Now, the interesting component to this now, <laughs> from a Brogdon point of view, is you got to figure out that situation because Brogdon knew that he was about to be traded. So now Brad has to handle this situation as well. I just can't imagine Brad Stevens thought prior to the start of the day that all this would be happening, right? Because 
and, and I'm sure they've been talking for weeks or talking for a couple of days about how they're going to land Kristaps Porzingis, and they've been in communication with these teams because, of course, we were waiting on this midnight deadline for Kristaps Porzingis. But to have this all drop on you like this for Brad Stevens, it's crazy. And now he's going to have a lot to deal with internally because, remember, Smart is a beloved member of this organization. But let's get to it. So two first-round picks, number 25 on Thursday night, and then you have a first-round pick on 2024, which has some protections, but in all likelihood, that's going to convey next year. And I look at this trade, and it's kind of crazy to me, and I get it, they're not the best first-round picks. I can't believe the Celtics got two first-round picks and Kristaps Porzingis for Marcus Smart. And if I was the Celtics in some way, it would kind of scare me, even though from my perspective, this looks like the Celtics made up pretty well in the trade in terms of the compensation. But if you look at it in terms of how the Grizzlies valued Marcus Smart, where they were willing to give up two first round picks, and I get it, they have a young core with Desmond Bain and with John Morant, and they wanted a young veteran on this team that could play defense, could help set the culture, because obviously they have a culture issue there in Memphis. They've had all kinds of problems over the past couple of years. So I get that. But the fact that they had a value of Marcus Smart at two first-round picks. I didn't think that Marcus Smart would fetch that in return. Now, obviously, I would have looked at this from the situation and preferred to send away Malcolm Brogdon because from my perspective, Smart is the superior player because, and I get it, he had a down year from, from a defensive perspective, but he's the superior player to Malcolm Brogdon. And when you just look at it from a Celtics perspective, and you look at Marcus Smart now playing with the Memphis Grizzlies, you start to think about it from Brad Stevens' angle and all this. I didn't think Brad had the balls to do it. I really didn't. I did not think that he had the balls to do it. Trade away Marcus Smart. Now, obviously, I had an idea that they would try to sort of revamp this roster, right? And I thought they'd try to get help on the wing. Instead, they get a big man, and we'll see what they do on the wing line going forward here. But I can't believe he did it. I really can't. I know that Marcus Smart was on a Brad Stevens' favorite player, and that's what tells you that Brad Stevens really felt that this change was needed. It's unbelievable to me. And I really, in some sense, and look, I've complained about Marcus Smart at times. I'm sure a lot of you as Celtics fans have complained about Marcus Smart. But man, he gave you a ton of good moments. He gave you some epic playoff moments, unbelievable defense, diving on the floor, setting the culture in the locker room, and all that different type of stuff, right? Where it felt like two years ago, you finally found the perfect role for Smart, which was, hey, the point guard we've been looking for this whole time has been right here, and that guy has been Marcus Smart. And now he's no longer part of the equation. And the one thing that I just feel bad about as somebody that obviously wants to see this team win a championship, I feel bad that Marcus Smart never got that as a member of the Celtics. And look, this is their own fault. They should have beaten the Warriors two years ago, or at least they had an opportunity to beat the Warriors two years ago, and they fell apart in that game four, and they never responded after that. But man, it really just feels unfortunate that Smart never won a championship here. And I do feel like Smart does not have nearly as good of a chance going forward to win a championship with the mess there in Memphis. We'll see if John Morant turns things around. I did feel like that suspension 25 games was a bit harsh for John Morant. But if this Celtics team wins a championship without Marcus Smart, man, the Marcus Smart haters are going to be out like crazy. And I know that he's a really polarizing player. But I think what the Celtics looked at is, if you're Brad Stevens, you felt like, all right, you really want Kristaps Porzingis. Unfortunately for you, you thought you were going to get away with it with just giving away Malcolm Brogdon. But then you look at the scenario where, okay, well, now 
the Brogdon thing falls apart, so we still want Kristaps Porzingis. We want the player that badly. That's how badly they wanted Kristaps Porzingis to, okay, we're willing to give up Marcus Smart. I do sort of wonder how the two best players react to this because we know Tatum really likes playing with Smart and we know Jalen likes playing with Smart. And these guys have been together for a long period of time. But I think part of this as well is just telling you what they think of Derek White as a player. Okay, so, and if you look at it, it's the right gamble to go with Derek White over Marcus Smart, right? And we'll see how they patch up the Brogdon thing. But if you look at the numbers last year, in terms of Smart versus Derek White, just look at the numbers with the two superstars or the two stars, right? I don't want to put Jalen in the superstar category. But Tatum, Jalen, and White on the court together, 119.8 offensive rating, 108 defensive rating, plus 11.8 net rating. Tatum, Jalen, and Smart, 118.2 offensive rating, 113.3 defensive rating, plus 4.8 net rating. So they were significantly better, seven points per 100 possessions with White with Tatum and Jalen compared to Smart with Tatum and Jalen. Now, those numbers with Malcolm Brogdon are not good. They are just plus 1.8 with Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But you also look back to that Heat series, and Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon was not particularly great because he was dealing with the injury. White was really good in that series. White averaged 14.3 per game on 51.6% shooting. Marcus Smart was 42.6% from the field. And if you look at it from three-point territory, White was phenomenal, shot 42.6%, and Smart shot just 35.7%. And if you look at the numbers in totality, Marcus Smart last season, 33.6% from three. We know he's never been a great three-point shooter. 129th of 149 qualified players. And we do know that Derek White was in a situation where he's north of 38%. From the field, or excuse me, from three-point territory. And the other thing that you need to clear up with these guards is the minutes. So if you look at the minutes per game last season, Marcus Smart was playing 32.1 minutes and Derek White was playing 28.3. Okay, so you're talking about Smart playing almost four more minutes per game than Derek White. And if you're looking at the fourth quarter minutes per game, Smart was at 7.5 and Brogdon was at 7.4 and White was at 6.9. So White was actually last out of that group in terms of the fourth quarter minutes per game, which should have never been the case. There were a lot of times where we were looking at Derek White and saying he needs more fourth quarter minutes. And the other component to this, Smart is a really big personality, right? And sitting Marcus Smart out in those closing moments is a lot more difficult to do than sitting Derek White out of those minutes, right? Because Derek White doesn't have that huge personality that Marcus Smart has, and even to a lesser extent, and Malcolm Brogdon wasn't closing a lot of games, he understood his role and all that different type of stuff, but Malcolm Brogdon was at a position where he has a stronger personality than Derek White. So now with Marcus Smart, one of the biggest personalities, I would say the two biggest personalities on the team are Smart and Jalen Brown. With Smart out of the equation now, it does free things up for Derek White to just be that every down back, so to speak, and be the point guard where now you're freeing up those minutes where Derek White is going to play 35, 36 minutes per night. We know that he played in all 82 games last year, and you would expect that his minutes are going to go way up next season, and he's going to sort of get the keys. And he plays, as I alluded to in those numbers, he plays really well with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which is obviously imperative for this situation going forward. The other thing I would look at in terms of the on-off differential via cleaning the glass Marcus Smart, minus 1.8, 42nd percentile. Derek White, plus 9.3, 93rd percentile. That just measures 
your numbers on the court versus off the court. So the Celtics last year were actually better with Smart off the court. They were way better with Derek White on the court than off the court. He rates out as one of the best players in terms of the impact metrics in totality, period, right? So it just feels like I'm still sort of stunned. I really am. I wasn't stunned by the Malcolm Brogdon situation where it appeared they were going to trade Malcolm Brogdon away for Kristaps Porzingis. I really liked that deal. So I wasn't surprised whatsoever. And I know a lot of you weren't surprised either because it felt like they were going to move a guard. And the most likely scenario was Malcolm Brogdon being moved. And unfortunately, because of the injury situation for Malcolm Brogdon, you needed to move Marcus Smart instead of Malcolm Brogdon. So now we're sitting here. And I still, I can't believe that Marcus Smart is not a member of the Celtics organization anymore. And I, when Woj has this tonight where he says the deal has fallen through, I was texting back and forth with the boss, Bill, and he said, you know what? You still got an hour left. Like something could happen. So I figured something would happen, but I did not think it was going to be Marcus Smart. And with Marcus Smart, you just think about it, how long he's been with this team. I mean, he was playing with Isaiah Thomas, right? He played with Rajon Rondo. This guy has been here forever. And now he's just no longer part of the... Think about all the big games that Marcus Smart has played in. Marcus Smart was huge in that Wizard series back in the day. Like, he has been in so many big games for this Celtics team. And you just think about it. It's really, in some way, it's an end of an era. Where Smart is no longer, and it, look, it's not like an end of an era, maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic, it's not like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown is no longer part of the equation, but Marcus Smart played in 108 playoff games for this team, 108. Think about it, this guy was in the same draft as Andrew Wiggins, who of course is now on the Golden State Warriors and won a championship with them, in the same draft as Jabari Parker. In the same draft as Joel Embiid, remember, Joel Embiid took forever to get his career underway. In the same draft as Dante Exum, who hasn't been in the league forever. That's how long this guy has been a member of the Celtics organization. Clearly, he wanted to retire a member of the Celtics. That's not going to happen anymore. And we'll see. The only thing that scares me about Smart going to Memphis, and like I said, Memphis right now, that organization looks like a mess, and they probably look at Smart as somebody that can help bring stability to that team. But you still have Denver that's going to be in the, the West for the foreseeable future with the best team, right? Not that they're moving conferences, but you get my point. You still have Jokic, you still have Murray, you still have Porter Jr., you still have Gordon, right? The Warriors will see with their long-term with Steph Curry in that group, etc. But in the Suns, they get the Devin Booker thing, De uh, Kevin Durant, and they just added Bradley Beal. That's a very top-heavy team. Like, and I get it. Maybe John Morant just gets his career back on track and we'll see what Marcus Smart is long term. I don't think that he's going to have an opportunity in the next couple of years. I don't trust John Morant to compete for an NBA championship. So with all that being said, though, you know what scares me is a motivated Marcus Smart. Like now Marcus Smart feels like, OK, it's my fault we didn't win last year. It's my fault that we didn't beat the Miami Heat. It's my fault that we didn't beat the Golden State Warriors two years ago. Marcus Smart viewed himself sort of as the heartbeat of this team, and now he's no longer part of it, which is just, from my perspective, knowing what Marcus Smart is as a competitor, you would think that this is going to bring out the best in Marcus Smart. But here would be my concern, right? Marcus Smart was in, what, his 28-year-old season, and he didn't look like the same athlete anymore. 
Like from a defensive perspective last year, Marcus Smart, we gave you the impact numbers. They weren't there. And it passes the eye test. We saw Marcus Smart getting blown by on way more occasions than we ever have last year, or excuse me, ever have in his career, where Marcus Smart for the first time looked like at times he had lost it defensively. Because one of the things we always got angered with with Smart was the shot selection, right? But we never thought the defense wasn't good. We always thought the defense for Marcus Smart was elite. And you looked at last year, and I get it, tracking data isn't perfect, but Marcus Smart was 26 in terms of as an isolation defender. So it did look like he slipped last season. So maybe the Celtics, and this is my hope, because look, and I don't wish any ill will on Marcus Smart. It's not like I dislike him as a guy or anything along those lines now because he's no longer a member of the Celtics organization. But now that he's in Memphis, if he slips, Brad's going to be proven correct, right? Like if this, if they're ahead of the slip, right, where they said they looked at this situation and they said the old Bill Belichick, get rid of a guy a year too early rather than a year too late. If they're right in this, great. And it works out for the Celtics. And like I said, I thought that he slipped defensively. And I wonder all the mileage on the tires with Marcus Smart, the way that he plays. I wonder if it's sort of like an aging running back at the NFL, where there's just a lot of tread on the tires. There's a lot of wear and tear with Marcus Smart. That would be my hope if I'm Brad Stevens, that that's what Marcus Smart looks like. Because if Marcus Smart looks like an elite defender again, if Marcus Smart looks like an elite player again, or an elite player on the defensive side of the floor, this could look really bad for Brad Stevens. And it's also contingent on what Kristaps Porzingis gives the Celtics. All right, so let's get to that next. I want to get to the Kristaps Porzingis part of the equation, and I do want to get to a little bit more in detail with this Malcolm Brogdon situation now, because Brad Stevens, as I alluded to, does have a situation on his hands right now. So when we come back, we'll get into the Kristaps Porzingis part of the equation here. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com Pike to join today. And I'm looking at the Sox and the White Sox coming up this weekend in Chicago, Friday night game, Brian Bayo on the mound, and Bayo's coming off that eight-strikeout performance against the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball. So I like a same-game parlay. I'm going to go with Brian Bayo alternate seven strikeouts. Chicago is 24th in strikeout rate, so Bayo's starting to strike guys out a little bit more. Chicago is definitely going to play into that because they strike out a lot. And I'll parlay that with the Sox on the money line. I like them to win that game against a Chicago team that's not very good. And how about any time hit for Alex Verdugo, who is right now one of the hottest hitters in all of Major League Baseball. So Verdugo hit. Bayo seven strikeouts, and the Red Sox on the money line. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Pike to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Must be 21 plus in present select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Welcome back into Off the Pike and welcome into our FanDuel TV audience on the local angle as huge news for the Celtics as Kristaps Porzingis is now a member of the organization. So I do want to get into that part of the equation for the Celtics and why I do like the Kristaps Porzingis part of this now. 
clearly he's going to have to be really good for the Celtics. It's one thing when you're traded for Malcolm Brogdon. It's a totally different thing when you're traded for the former defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart, despite him not being the same guy last season. He does have a real reputation with the organization, considered to be a leader. So now I feel like there's more pressure on Kristaps Porzingis than there previously was, right? If you're traded for Malcolm Brogdon, it's one thing. Marcus Smart, you have pressure on you now. Kristaps Porzingis has to be really good for the Celtics team next season, and he has to be a game changer. Now, the good news is he was a game changer for the Wizards last season. So he really impacted their offense. If you look at it in terms of the offensive rating, this is via cleaning the glass, 117.7 offensive rating for the Wizards last season with Porzingis on the court. That was in the 81st percentile. That was a 6.4% increase with him on the court compared to off the court. That was in the 94th percentile via cleaning the glass. So the offense last season in Washington was really good with Kristaps Porzingis on the court. Now, why was that? First of all, he did an outstanding job in terms of shooting threes last season. 38.5% on 5.5 three-point attempts per game. That's really good volume for a center. And secondarily, of course, 38.5% is really good numbers for a center. You look at the catch-and-shoot threes. 121 of 308, that's 39.3%. So that's an elite number. And obviously, he's going to get even more catch-and-shoot opportunities next season with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The other thing is this. On his two-point shots last season, now this is something Joe Mazzulla may have to mix in, like, hey, Joe, this guy can actually score inside the three-point line. I know you don't like to do that, but you can try this with him. So if you look at his two-point shooting last year, career high at 55.9%. And why was that? Well, because his post-up game was really good. So if you look at his post-ups last year, he was 94 of 162. So obviously that's 58%. 1.18 points per possession. That ranked in the 89th percentile, okay? And the Celtics didn't post up at all last year. In fact, they were 24th in total in terms of post-up possessions per game last season. So now this is a new wrinkle that the Celtics can bring to the table because remember when you were watching the postseason and you were looking at the situation where the offense got stale, right? We can all acknowledge. I mean, part of the issue for the Celtics, their defense was not great in the postseason, but also... Their offense, we saw it two years ago and we saw it last year. It got static at times in the postseason. Part of that is Joe Mazzola, this reliance, over-reliance, I would say, on three-point shooting, especially going back to the Miami series when Miami was one of the worst teams defending two-point shots last season. The Celtics didn't dig into that. But think about this. When Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at times are struggling, well, guess what you can do now? Hey, uh... Throw it to the 7-3 guy that's down low. Throw it to the 7-3 guy that's on the block, which is a luxury that they didn't have. So it's a, just a different element. It's not like you're going to go down the court and your offense is going to be, hey, let's post up Kristaps Porzingis every time when you have Jason Tatum and when you have Jalen Brown. But it is a wrinkle that this offense previously didn't have last season. They don't post up Al. Rob obviously can't post up. He doesn't have any post up moves or anything along those lines. So it's a new element there. So the offense... What you have now is a spacer with Kristaps Porzingis at the center position. And what's big there is he legitimately is going to pull the big man out of the paint. So that also makes life easier for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who all indications point to Jalen Brown eventually getting the Supermax. So those driving lanes are going to be easier, which is definitely huge for Jalen, who, of course, struggles turning the basketball over, struggles dribbling with his left hand at times. If Kristaps Porzingis can lift the guy out because they have to respect his shooting, it's obviously massive for the Celtics team. And then the other element is he gives you something you didn't have where he can score inside and it gives you sort of 
a third legitimate third option, right? Because you didn't really have a legitimate third option last year. That's what Kristaps Porzingis is from an offensive perspective. And I know other guys scored at times, but this is a guy you know exactly what his skill set is. He can score in the post and he can threes. It's very valuable. Then you look at last year, the defense with Kristaps Porzingis. Remember, I get it. The Celtics were second last year in defensive efficiency. But what we saw in the postseason, routinely, they got absolutely shredded defensively. There's no way that anybody could have watched that Celtics team and said, hey, they were the same defensively as they were two years ago. No, they clearly dipped off. Miami exposed them, right? They got exposed by Atlanta at times. They got exposed by Philadelphia two years ago when the Celtics struggled. It was all about their offense, but... Last season, it was the defense at times in the postseason, too. So if you look at the defense last year, Kristaps Porzingis on the court for the Washington Wizards, the effective field goal percentage was 1.9 percentage points better with him on the court than off the court. That was in the 80th percentile. So what has happened to Kristaps Porzingis is he's done a much better job in drop coverage over the past few years, really in particular last year. So Teams shot 41.7% against the Wizards in the short mid-range via cleaning the glass. That was in the 77th percentile. So that's runners, that's floaters, right? Because you can't get to the rim when Kristaps Porzingis is in a drop coverage. So that means a lot of times you're going to have to settle for a runner or a floater if you're a guard. And he does a really good job defending those. The other thing is the long mid-range. Team shot just 38.1% on long mid-rangers. That's outside of 14 feet. That was in the 84th percentile via cleaning the glass. So, and those are shots you actually want to force too, right? Because those are not analytically friendly shots. Those are not efficient shots. So what he does is he blocks off the rim. Secondarily, that means he's going to force you into difficult runners. And then third, if you want to take a mid-ranger, a long mid-ranger, 14 feet to the three-point line, go ahead and take those. And Porzingis has found a way to really be good and successful in drop coverage. The other thing I'd point out is Kevin O'Connor, of course, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, part of the Ringer, part of FanDuel. Everybody knows KOC. He had this great stat. Points allowed per pick and roll last season. Kristaps Porzingis, 0.93. That was fourth in the NBA behind Anthony Davis. And you had Steven Adams and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, that's an elite group of guys that he was behind in terms of the defending the pick and roll, and that would tell you those numbers I laid out in terms of the long mid-rangers, the short mid-rangers, that tells you sort of how he's been effective in the drop coverage. <laughs> Guys are not scoring 0.93 points per pick and roll. That's a really elite number. You're talking about Anthony Davis and Giannis. Anthony Davis has been one of the best defenders in the league really since he set foot in the league, and Giannis is a former defensive player of the year, so he's been really impactful on that side of the floor. So when you look at Kristaps Porzingis, the other element to this with him is think about the history of this Celtics team in terms of the injuries with the big men. Now, Al Horford, outstanding season last year, right? But the issue is he played 30 minutes per game and he's entering his 37-year-old season. We thought, okay, Al shot north of 44% from three-point territory last year. It was his best season in terms of a three-point percentage standpoint. What happened in the postseason? He shot south of 30%. So that threat that you had in terms of a big man spacing the floor, that was non-existent when it came to the postseason with Al Horford, right? So Kristaps Porzingis can shoot threes. He's going to be respected as a three-point shooter, more respected than Al Horford. The other component to this is Robert Williams. So Al Horford is going to be 37. He played too many minutes last year. He played in too many games two years ago. You could see Al Horford, and I know he keeps himself in great shape and all that, but you could see Al Horford falling off. Then when you look at it from the perspective of Robert Williams, he played in 35 games last year. 
even the game in the postseason in game seven, when he was available to play for you against the Miami Heat, what happened to Robert Williams? He was throwing up, right? So even the game that he technically was healthy from a body perspective, he couldn't stay in the game because he was throwing up. So the guy is never going to be healthy. So I point that out because I love Robert Williams as a player. But the reason I point that out is we've now gotten to the point where we know Robert Williams is not going to be consistent in terms of his health. So you have a 37-year-old center and a center that the most games he's ever played in a season is 61. So you needed depth at that position. Kristaps Porzingis certainly brings you that. And I know he's had some injury history in terms of he's played in 65 games last season, which was the most he's played in since his second season in the NBA. But it now does feel like he's a couple of years removed from the torn meniscus. He's way past the torn ACL. So maybe now he's starting to come into his own from a health perspective. But the biggest thing here for me is the Celtics were in real trouble when it comes to the center position because they traded for Mike Muscala and they got nothing out of him, right? I mean, he barely played except that one game where he played a million minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks. He wasn't part of the playoff rotation. Luke Cornett, it was like an interesting story early on in the season where Cornett would do that Cornett contest thing where he just kind of jump in the air and hope the guy would miss the shot. And it became like an interesting topic for Celtics conversations. But he's not a guy that's going to give you consistent NBA minutes. And you can't trust the health record of Rob and the age of Al Horford is a scary thing. This is a guy that makes a lot of sense with the Celtics in terms of fitting with this team. Now, I will be interested to see sort of what the starting lineup is going to be. And now it feels like, well, it's a lot easier to determine who the guard's going to be. You start Derek White along with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I personally would start Kristaps Porzingis at the five and Al Horford at the floor, at the four rather. And then when you look at it from that perspective, then you can bring in Robert Williams to play the five. Porzingis pushes over to the four because he can play the four. And then you have a situation where you're reducing Al Horford's minutes. But I do feel like the biggest thing here is, from Brad Stevens' perspective, this was a massive deal. And the fact that he was willing to put Marcus Smart in it tells you how much he valued Kristaps Porzingis and how much of work they must have done, the Celtics brass, the Celtics front office, in terms of looking into Kristaps Porzingis and making sure they feel good about the health perspective with him going forward, because this is a massive risk for Brad Stevens to bring in a guy like Kristaps Porzingis. And now this is clearly the other element to this with Marcus Smart now out of the building and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now this is officially their team. They have to be the leaders of this team. Derek White's not going to do it. He's a quiet guy. Al Horford does it in his own way. But now it is abundantly clear that this is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's team. Now from a talent perspective, it was already their team. But when you just look at it in terms of a personality perspective, now this is on Tatum and now this is on Jalen Brown. I cannot wait to see what they look like with Kristaps Porzingis on the court. I believe he's going to be really impactful for this team, but it is risky. And what we've seen from Brad Stevens so far in his GM career, there hasn't been a lot of risky moves. This is certainly one of them. But man, seven foot three, post him up, baby. Joe Mazzulla is going to have to post this guy up. I can't believe it. Sam Cassell is going to have to tell him, hey, Joe, uh, this is called a post-up. I know you guys didn't do this last year, but this is what you're going to have to do going forward. All right, coming up next, I want to continue to pick through this thing, and I do want to get to the Brogdon angle a little bit more and one of my concerns with Kristaps Porzingis. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles. 
because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. I'm still trying to put the pieces together here because what a wild night. It's now 1.17 a.m. as we're recording. And I don't want to forget anything. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot more as well going forward here because Marcus Smart, he's going to have comments about this, etc. He's going to be introduced as a member of the Grizzlies. Eventually, Kristaps Porzingis is going to be interviewed or introduced rather as a member of the Celtics organization. So there's still a lot of pieces here. And you're going to hear Brad Stevens talk about Marcus Smart eventually. And you know what that's going to be. That's just going to be praising Marcus Smart. And hey, we had the chance to get Kristaps Porzingis, blah, blah, blah. The other thing I wanted to mention real quickly about Porzingis, one positive, then I want to get to the question I have about him. So last season, one of the things that we saw is the Celtics, of course, They took the, if you look at the reliance on the three-point shot, Dallas was the most reliant on the three-point shot. The Celtics were second in terms of their frequency that came from three-point territory. And their bigs are not really effective in terms of Al Horford is effective from three-point territory. Robert Williams is effective at the rim, right? So I just bring that up because if you look at Rob on short mid-rangers, that's four to 14 feet. Last year, he only took 46 of them, okay? And he took seven long mid-rangers. You don't want Rob taking long mid-rangers anyway because he can't really hit them. Now, The short mid-rangers, you'd like Rob to develop those because those are those little push shots, right? That's what Bam Adebayo has, that little push shot. But Rob only took 46 the entire season, so he barely took any. And if you look at Al, he only took 60 in terms of short mid-rangers because what Missoula always wanted to do with him, he always wanted him to be out at the three-point line to sort of open up the lane and also for him to take threes. And long mid-rangers, Al was just 25%. So it's not even worth Al taking those. Just get out to the three-point line, right? And he didn't take a lot of long mid-rangers. But if you look at the short mid-rangers, that little push shot, 4 to 14 feet via cleaning the glass, if you look at Porzingis last year, he shot 50% on those shots, and he took 284. Again, Rob took 46, Al took 60, Porzingis took 284. Now, part of that are the post-ups I alluded to, but it's also the fact that he can score in that little in-between area between... 14 feet in the basket. He does have that little push shot. He's got really good touch. And then on the long mid-rangers, he was at 45% this past season, which is 14 feet out to the three-point line. So he can score in that middle area where the Celtics really didn't do a lot of scoring last season. So that's a big thing where he can score in that area where it's a thing that you'd like the Celtics to use a little bit more. And I don't know why Rob has never developed that shot. I love Rob as a player, but he's got to develop that shot because it just makes you so much more useful as a big man. Now, if you look at Kristaps Porzingis' playoff resume, he's barely played in the playoffs, right? You think about, it's basically two series against the Clippers. The first one in the bubble, where he was outstanding before 
suffering the meniscus injury, 23 points seven per game, 6.7 rebounds per game. He hit nine of his 17 threes, 52.9%. He had 34 and 13 in a game, and he had 23 and seven in a game. Like, he was outstanding, and you really felt like before the injury. I remember because we were all going nuts watching the games when they were in the bubble, right? Because there's nothing else on TV. Like, we were so pumped when, during COVID, you actually had games come back. I remember thinking, Dallas actually got a beat this Clippers team. And at the time, the Clippers felt like, hey, they were this invincible team because they got Kawhi and they got Paul George and you have two elite wings. It felt like, and Luka was just having an unbelievable series as well. It felt like they were going to beat him before Porzingis went hurt. But then the following year, he kind of struggles. He was eight of 27 from deep, 29.6%, just 13.1 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Now, granted, he was coming back from the injury, but he was south of 10 points in three of the seven games against the Clippers and if you look at it, he had this whole beef with Carlisle that year. Remember where him and Carlisle, Carlisle said posting up is not efficient basketball. He actually got into it with Barkley as well because Barkley was saying he was getting the ball too far away from the basket. And Carlisle did this whole thing addressing how the post up is inefficient. Now, in Carlisle's defense, that year, Kristaps Porzingis was not really good in the post. Like his numbers were horrible compared to this year where his numbers were elite. We went through that earlier, but... The playoff stuff, it doesn't really concern me as much because he hasn't played in a lot of those games. And it does feel like now, remember, part of the issue that Kristaps Porzingis had in Dallas was he didn't feel like he was getting involved enough, right? Now, obviously, last season in Washington, he got involved a ton. And I do think now, coming to the Celtics, he kind of really understands where he's at in his NBA career and where he's at sort of in the league, so to speak, where he knows that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, he's coming to their team. So I don't think he's going to do anything in terms of, because at times you could consider the guy in previous stops in his career, sort of a diva. And after playing for Washington in a relevant franchise, you would imagine that he's sort of been humbled. And he has alluded to the fact that he's matured a bit in terms of his basketball career. And I would agree. Like if you look at the numbers this year, he's coming off his best career year. He was tremendous. He averaged North of 23 points per game. But man, now he's playing in a high-profile market again after he played in New York. The Dallas situation did not go particularly well. This does feel like this is Christoph Porzingis' last chance to prove he's a winning player. It's great that he had, and remember, he came into the league, and he was the unicorn. He was the original unicorn, and everybody thought he was going to be great after his rookie season, and why wouldn't you? The guy was absolutely phenomenal. And then ever since then, he sort of got humble. Remember, it's a big move where he goes to Dallas. Remember, he doesn't end up signing an extension with the Knicks. He gets traded to Dallas, and everybody thinks, oh, Luka and Kristaps Porzingis are going to take over the league. It doesn't really happen. And then he's not playing at times during the postseason. A couple of years ago with Dallas, he's getting upset about that. Then he goes to Washington, which in some way is like shipping a guy off to an irrelevant franchise. And look, he gave it his all there last year in Washington, and now he's been rewarded going to a team that was one win away from the finals last year, and was two wins away from winning a championship two years ago. And there was a lot riding on this for Kristaps Porzingis because the guy running this organization, Brad Stevens, just got rid of one of his former players, one of his favorite players, and he's basically putting his neck out for you, saying, hey, this is the missing piece for us to win a championship. This is the guy that we need to sort of get us over the top. And I look at this, I really like bringing Kristaps Porzingis into this organization, but my only point is there is a lot riding on this for Kristaps Porzingis, especially another guy 
with an injury history in Christoph Porzingis. Oh, I did want to mention this real briefly too, and I know I kind of alluded to this off the top. What do you think Malcolm Brogdon is thinking right now? Malcolm Brogdon was traded. It's 1.24 in the morning right now. Malcolm Brogdon was traded like what? 12 hours ago. Did Brad Stevens already talk to Malcolm Brogdon on the phone? Is Malcolm Brogdon cool with coming back to the Celtics? Like, that's an interesting dynamic in all this. And I know it's happened before in the NBA, and it's happened in sports before where trades get veto. I mean, I would argue that Manny was never the same after they traded him, and then he wasn't traded. Remember the whole A-Rod situation? Now, they did win a World Series in 04 and all that, but that was a crazy time when they tried to trade Manny Ramirez away. But nonetheless, I'm not comparing the players, or it's different sports and all that, but that has just got to be a weird dynamic where it's like, yeah, hey, uh, Malcolm, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, good to see you. How was your offseason? Hey, uh, Brad, you tried to fucking trade me. How do you think my offseason was? Now, and we'll see what moves the Celtics make going further. The other thing with these draft picks that they got, now that can be used sort of as capital if you do want to make another deal, right? You have these draft picks that you've acquired from Memphis. Those can be used as assets down the road as well. But I just a wild night. I can't believe, I never thought we'd see the day. I thought, if anything, like when Marcus Smart wasn't a Celtic anymore, I honestly thought it was going to be a situation where it's like he was done. Marcus Smart was just an irrelevant player, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, Smart's really not good anymore. He's aging. But man, now (laughs) it's unreal. Marcus Smart is not in the Celtics anymore. Oh, man. And I know a lot of you like are not Marcus Smart fans At, at times last year. And you heard me on the pod. He really aggravated me with some of the stuff in terms of as everybody is with Smart. Like, he takes all these threes that you just get aggravated with, and the defense, as we alluded to earlier, slip. But, man, he's a really great member of this organization. I'm speaking of him like he passed away or something. He's going to a different team. But it is, in a weird way, a different phase that now the Celtics are going into. Now, it had already become Tatum's team, but now it's like, hey, this is your organization. This is your team, Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart is no longer part of the equation but the biggest thing to me outside of the Porzingis thing and outside of the smart thing they're doubling down on Derek White they really are and that's a credit to Derek White because last year I mean we've given you all the numbers the impact metrics the improvement from three-point territory the durability the playmaking he can play off the ball he can play on the ball he's an elite level defensive player this is a huge season for Derek White. Now, he's already under contract and all that, but this is a huge opportunity for Derek White to really go to even another level because all these numbers I've given you in terms of the impact metrics over the past, what, year and change now about what Derek White's meant to this team, fourth and plus minus in the entire NBA last season, that's all great. And I project with the per 36 and all that. But now Derek White, and I believe he's going to run with this opportunity. Now he's going to be your every down back, your every down point guard, so to speak. And I would say this too. At this point, Pritchard now has a role again on this team, right? Because Pritchard's a good guard. He is. It's just with Brogdon, Smart, and White, there just weren't a lot of minutes for Pritchard. And Pritchard's a guy that's asked for a trade. I wonder how Pritchard's feeling after this situation. Like, does he feel like he's going to get more minutes going forward? Does he feel like he still wants to be a member of the Celtics? Or does he want to go elsewhere? But man, just so many different elements to this whole trade. The Porzingis part, the Smart part, the Brogdon part, the Derek White part. How do the star players feel? It is wild. And this offseason, I will say this about Brad Stevens. He's all in, man. Brad has now proven that he is a risk taker. Brad Stevens before, nice moves, shrewd moves, 
felt like he was a really smart GM. This is a risk, and we'll see if it works out for Brad Stevens. All right, as always, make sure to get your voicemails in at 617-396-7172. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot to react to with this smart Porzingis situation. Again, that number 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Cerruti for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, hope is here, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.